This episode of Lucas Tigers and Bronze is brought to you by PWCC. Head over to pwccmarketplace.com and register. It only takes a few minutes and it's 100% free. There you'll find weekly auctions with thousands of items, all starting at $10, closing every Sunday at 7 p.m. Pacific time. You have to be registered to bid. They have the most transparent buyer's premium feature in the industry and extended bidding like no other auction house. Give it a try. You might find something you love. All right, Luca Nation, record, record listens, record comments, amazing, amazing episodes, regardless of what side of the aisle you're on. Um, it really, really, really brought out a lot of good insight, good information, good opinions. Thank you all for commenting, subscribing, sharing, all that stuff. We want to welcome you guys back to episode 851 of Lucas, Tigers, and Bronze. We have an amazing guest coming up tomorrow. You're not going to want to miss it. Bookmark it, subscribe, make sure you get a notification because you're not going to want to miss tomorrow's guest episode with the card father, Rob Ferris. But I want to talk today. Here's what I've noticed, guys. Crypto was a place to store money. It was a place to put your money with a ton of positive upside potential. That's how it was, a store of value. And when Bitcoin was at 60,000, when Ethereum was at 4,500, causation is not necessarily correlation, all that stuff, but cards were booming simultaneously. Mm -hmm. Today, a huge exchange, FTX, announced that it's going under. Binance tried to save it. They couldn't. And I wanted to kind of catch up with Cage here and talk about what he saw in the crypto market. Completely anecdotal, guys. This is all opinions. This is not, you know, do your own research. Don't buy Bitcoin or Ethereum because of this episode. Don't short it because of this episode. We have so much content for you guys out there to listen. You can listen to occasion in my uh, episode about basketball. That's live. You can listen to our Nat Turner episode with Cage yesterday. You could listen to our Dallas Card Show today. If it's okay with you, Cage. I wanted to get your take on what's happening in the crypto world. Well, we'll talk about cards too. We'll talk about all kinds of different assets, right? Because we don't want to lose people and have them turn off right away. But yeah, what's happening in the crypto world? Um, the One of the largest exchanges, I think by volume, is either three or four. The one that um, Tom Brady and his wife at the time were involved with, Steph Curry's involved with as a spokesperson, is FTX, uh, stadium naming rights. I mean, like a big company. Um, I guess was doing some stuff with the money and doesn't have the liquidity. I don't know if they had their own token. I don't know if they were, you know, funding other stuff. If they were leveraged themselves, I, I don't know. I'm too stupid to understand what's going on with it. But basically, when all is said and done, it is one of these events where they are no longer solvent. And I, last I read, they're looking for emergency funds to the tune of $8 billion to cover withdrawals from people, which is just, you know, crazy. Bitcoin itself um, over the weekend before this happened was 21, 21.3, I think was probably the high over the weekend. I know this because lucky for me, I sold some. Um, and um, <laughs> Lucky for you, literally. <laughs> if you want to share, you're allowed to share. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I was, I was, uh, my phone was hacked. And before the hacker was able to get my Bitcoin, which I don't know whether they were able to or would have been able to or not, but that's the, the fear in me before my, my, before whoever this hacker is was able to just take my Bitcoin, I sold it and cashed it out. And I cashed it out at 21 3. It's currently sitting at like 15 7. Um, I was flying back from Dallas 
And Cage is like, I sold my Bitcoin. I said, idiot, you're going to rebuy it again. And yeah. he said, Andrew, you're going to buy it again. Buy- so, yeah, but you're going to buy it. You're just going to buy it again higher is what he told me. <laughs> Which is, you may be right. You may be right. But it was before I was able to explain to Andrew that I didn't sell over the weekend because I was like, wow, it's going to go down. It's going to crash. I sold it because I was afraid someone was going to steal it. Well, so, what you really said was, Andrew, now you see why people don't dick. like you, and you should stop <laughs> talking to people like that. I think I said, this is why you're a dick. Give me a chance to explain why I sold it. Now, you know, I mean, I still have Bitcoin. I mean, I, here's a shitty thing. Like, I've been, you know, I've been selling Panini Digital and taking it right out all in Bitcoin. So, like, I have Bitcoin in that, and that is worth, you know, forty-three dollars, a third of what it was, you know, a third off basically in the last three days. I still have Ethereum. You know, I won something in a golden auction this past week that I was valuing out at two Ethereum, and now it's going to be closer to four Ethereum. You know what I mean? I was you gonna, I was fully planning on using, you know, crypto to pay for it. Now I may not. Do you remember that movement in crypto land? It's one ETH equals one ETH. Yeah, but when you actually buy something with it, it's not that it's not that simple anymore. Yeah. So. But I mean, honestly, I'll tell you my thought is, and then we can move on to sports or whatever else. This is just an old man theory. Um, these are the kind of things that happen that do shake my underlying belief in certain items, just because I think it is sort of a shift in how retail will have to be protected. And so what I'm saying there is, uh, do I see a future with crypto in it? A hundred percent. I think that cryptocurrencies, you know, digital currencies, however you're going to you know phrase them, will be here. But the ability to operate sort of in the darkness like this and have that type of a fiscal impact on what's going to amount to 99% of people who are losing their money are retail investors who can't get their money out now and have their net worth impacted significantly. That's when governments start to get involved. And when a government gets involved, you'll see something like what's, what's funny, man. I mean, you could probably talk about this really well because of your history with it. You get something that's, I mean, we call it unregulated, but it's obviously regulated now, but you'll get something that is more regulated. You'll get something that's sort of like the U S cryptocurrency. Like, I don't know what they'll call it, call it Biden dollar or something like that. You know what I mean? And, and that'll be the, the 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 universally accepted cryptocurrency for you know transactions within the United States and abroad, and you know then they won't recognize other cryptocurrencies. And it, like you can see them, usually there's an event like this that spurs regulation, spurs oversight, and, and you name it. So when, when there's a, a mass liquidation event like that, and a, you know, and it gets sort of mainstream coverage. All these other things that happen, they're kind of like, oh, wow, well, I got rugged on a on an NFT. No one cares, you know. A hundred or two hundred people lose a couple thousand dollars. All right, but it sucks for them. But it's not a, you know, you know the impact is not going to be felt the way that something like this would be felt. So the, the scary thing about that is, you know, I was just, I just hung up with a friend. He's like, you know, should we should we buy some Bitcoin now? And I'm like, there may be a time where five years from now we're like remember when you had three bitcoin remember when you had four bitcoin and you sold it and you could have bought right back in for less at 15 grand and now it's two hundred thousand dollars. could that happen a hundred percent a hundred percent could happen but my confidence in that is a lot less than it was a week ago when something like this happens not because this shakes the whole thing to a core i've seen it happen where this is the type of event that it opens the door for regulation it opens the door for a government to get involved and if a government's involved maybe bitcoin is not the one that survives as 
the store of wealth or the cryptocurrency that people are using. Maybe Ethereum doesn't. Maybe Ripple doesn't. Maybe none of them do. Maybe this new thing that is created with government backing is what takes that place. So we have a really interesting breakdown of our audience. I would say 90% is very intelligent. Um, a lot of them are financial wealth managers, asset managers along those lines. And they could correct me if I'm wrong, but when Lehman went under, a lot of people that got hurt with that were retirement uh, plans and pension funds. Uh, and those pension funds were invested in these mortgage-backed securities, which were just a pool of assets that, you know, all by themselves, shitty loans are really shitty. But if you chop them up and put shitty loans with a little bit of less shitty loans and then with crappy loans, with okay loans, with good loans, the theory was that they couldn't default. We saw that that was not the case. And then what happened was Dodd-Frank came, which was regulation, right? Which I was, was thinking Dodd-Frank when I said, hey, this is usually what happens. And then you have regulation. I was thinking exactly that. Okay. There's a funny picture of actually Dodd and Frank. If you guys just search Dodd-Frank and their heads are touching. So I had to do a presentation in uh, for Morgan Stanley. It was like my exit interview for uh, my internship. And they're like, pitches, explain to us like we're stupid what Dodd-Frank is. So I had to explain it. But how is this different, right? You always see bad actors. You always see it's human nature for people to mismanage funds, especially when they get a lot of money. They're like, I'm going to buy the heat arena. I'm going to spend on marketing. I'm going to sign Curry. I'm going to sign Brady, Giselle. How is this How is this different from just an isolated event with one, a poor leadership team who mismanaged their funds? Uh, because, it, I mean, it becomes widespread, right? Usually, if it's enough of an impact, it's like an ends justifying the means kind of thing, right? Right. So, so how is it different? It's not. It's not different. You know. I mean, usually, is it this different is the, because the government came in and saved us, and more than likely, it won't come in and save us now. Maybe I don't know if they will. Eight billion dollars is a lot, right? I mean, if you talk about the last like too big to fail, it was like a hundred and eighty billion dollars, right? right. When they were like AIG bailout and all that other crazy stuff. Hard, right? So, right? Yeah. So I mean, you know. I don't know, man. Listen, training wheels is what the government does, right? They want to make sure that people aren't taken advantage of, but then also they want to make sure that people don't take too many risks. And I mean, what's funny is the lesson to be learned here is I guess there's greed in a lot of stuff. There's greed in retail and there's greed in the people at the top of, of companies as well. And um, I think what caused the problem here was getting over leveraged. Like a company that was making money was still looking for these outside gains to repay their investors. And when you do that, you take shortcuts. And when you take those shortcuts and they don't work out for you, then you wind up in this type of situation. And that's not just crypto. I mean, that's anything that has flown, has been valued at a high number, has taken in investment, and is looking to come up with outsized gains for its investors. Um, you know, it doesn't always end up with like a huge rug pull like this or a huge, you know, liquidity or whatever. It, 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 sometimes it winds up with, with people having to be fired. Topshot just had a mess, you know, firing. They're a perfect example of this also, right? You know, they started small, they grew, they got a lot of money, the whole nine yards. There were probably other entities within the hobby that you can come up with that are potentially going down the same path. I, I do want to separate Topshot, which never really had product market fit. It just had a flash in the pan versus Bitcoin specifically, who's had a Max, Mt. Gox scandal uh, exchange in like 2014-ish. 2017, it rode something similar. And now that's kind of stood the test of time. I do want to make sure we put those in different buckets. Yeah, but I guess I'm just talking about you say, hey, how's it different? You know, like too big right. to fail kind of stuff. Like, I guess where I'm going with it is lesson learned, right? Like, 
just because you don't have a liquidity event or a crash or a rug pull like that, things do get ahead of themselves. Right. I'm not talking really about Bitcoin per se. I'm talking about FTX, right? And then I'm talking about the players. I'm talking about the companies. And usually it's, you know, my, my, my fun saying, right? It's when things are going good, nobody takes a second to think about, all right, at some point it's going to stop and things are going to be bad. Let's prepare for it. Just like when things are going bad, nobody takes a second and, and looks like, don't worry, it'll be good at some point in time. Like everybody's just liquidating. Everybody's sending 400 cards to them from their PWCC vault right to their auction because they don't want a penny pinch anymore. They just want to buy MJs. So here's what surprises me. The previous low for Ethereum this year mm-hmm. was actually 950 bucks. Mm-hmm. It's above that with yep. this event. But the previous low with crypto, with a Bitcoin, was 18 and change. Yeah. And now it's at 15.9. And I'm surprised that it broke that previous support. Bitcoin broke that previous support, but Ethereum didn't. I find that interesting. All right. I can't give you a reason why. Me neither. I don't know whether or not, you know, that, that FTX had more Bitcoin on it than Ethereum. I don't know whether I don't know whether Ethereum is still has this utility thing going for it with, you know, NFTs. I, I don't know. I don't know whether or not, you know, if, if Ethereum went down to eight hundred bucks, people would just be buying up board apes. I, I I don't I honestly don't know what the answer is for that. But yeah, we've been watching those and I remember the last kind of collapse ish was eighteen and you know, and uh nine. I think it was even like a little lower than nine. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's like 1100 now. It's okay. listen, it's interesting stuff. It really is. I mean, these are things that it's funny. I say don't break boxes. Those are like gambling basically for me, which you shouldn't say. Right. I mean, but that's like, is a small part of my portfolio. Why I was doing it was, Hey, uh, you know, there are pieces of Panini digital I don't want to own. So I might as well move it into Bitcoin. It's another thing that I think has a little bit of a better, but clearly that's wrong. But my thought process is, you know, I think I'd rather have Bitcoin than Panini digital, uh, you know, with the exception of certain small items on that platform. It's just, you know, I, this is this is you've been through these for me for a retail investor it's a scary thing because you know you'd like to think if you invest in the stock market that there are safeguards that's what you'd like to think i don't know that there are we've seen you know we've seen they're not but you know for whatever reason the old style of doing it you know investing in stocks or investing in you know things that have stood the test of time that are not quote-unquote crypto they seem to provide a little more of a security blanket. They seem to put, you know, you put that under your pillow and you sleep better at night. This is, uh, there's not a lot of people who are sleeping well in the crypto world seeing something like this happen. I'm not sure there's that many people sleeping well in the card world. So let me ask you. Card world too. Hey now. What, um, what did you take away from our episode with Rob? Anything stick out that you, uh, we're going to have the full episode live tomorrow. It's about 50 minutes. Anything today that, you know, stuck out to you? Anything that you might want to suggest to people as we enter, you know, almost like what is the last six, seven weeks yeah. of 2022? Well, that's different. But yeah, my, what am I thinking? Yeah, everybody should be taking a hard look in the mirror, yourself included, myself included, about your collection, about your role, about what you do here, and whether or not this here is something that you want to be. Um, and what I got from Rob was there are people who are part of the hobby who are not in it just to drain every single penny out of the bottom layer of the pyramid 
there are people in the hobby who are, um, you know, looking to increase the user base and increase that user base's experience within the hobby. Um, people who want to do it the right way. And it got me thinking about, you know, my role in the hobby itself, which I never really had before, you know, a podcast. I was just some, you know, schmuck who bought some old cards that are not shiny that you don't like and you know, opened some cards of my son. And, you know, that kind of brought, you know, the, the whole thing back into, you know, into, into the square. Um, the first question I think people have to ask is, you know, what is it you want out of the hobby? Um, you know, because, you know, if what you want out of the hobby is, you know, to be able to buy something this week, and sell it next week or two weeks from now at a gain that might not be there and it might not be there for a while. It might not be there, you know, until the next one of these huge cycles, which I do believe will come, uh, but it wasn't something that was there. That wasn't the way people in the hobby did business for a decade leading up to this. What if I want to make um, a six figure income, Mm -hmm. but not necessarily buying and flipping? Is, Is there a way to do that in this space? You tell me. You tell me. I mean, I would say the answer is yes, because, you know, there are other things to do, not buying and and flipping. Right. But I mean, is your six figure income dependent on the cards themselves? Right. I feel like it's dependent on the card market. Okay, so so if what you're asking me is, can you do a business within cards? It's harder to make six figures when people aren't all making money. Obviously, it's easier out there when there's more people trying to do the flipping. And I know, let's let's take it outside of just you with the six figures. Let's let's talk about people who might be making six figures out there or more who are not doing it flipping cards. But how much of that money is dependent on the fact that there are people trying to flip cards, right? So talk about the grading companies that have popped up, right? Talk about people who are making money grading cards. Now, if you're not going to have people submitting as many cards, right? You're not going to have people sending in these cards because that that that's not there. Um, then those companies are not going to be making as much money, right? At least that seems to be the, if you don't have that bottom rung as much, you know, people doing the, the constant grind. Shows, right? You love the shows. I love the shows, right? But a lot of shows popped up and they're more in what you would call the Dallas show style than the Chantilly show style. And those are shows for dealers and flippers. And you made a great statement. And, you know, when you came back from Dallas, he said, these guys are basically just going to cut each other's heads off because there's only so many times you can buy something for a price this week and try to sell it the, the week after and, and also fly from the Bay area to New York, from New York to where, and, and, and still make those outsized returns and, and have enough people who are successful doing it because, Rob said it right. You've said it a million times. That is a zero sum game, right? Because ultimately everybody's just chasing to the bottom. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to buy this card, especially in a, in a market that's not as frothy, right? Okay. I, I bought this card. It was a hundred bucks last week. All right. I got it marked for 90. That's the cheapest out there, but somebody just paid 82 on eBay last night. So I now want it for 78. And if I get it for 78, the next person is going to want it for 74. And then if I bring it to a show, the deal is going to want to pay me 62 for an apple. Okay. We're, we're racing. We're racing down to the bottom. We're just right under, it, we saw it at NFT land when people, there was no liquidity. People would just undercut each other on floor price. You would see someone listed for one ETH. Three seconds later, they're listed for 0.9 ETH. So, I mean, right before we jumped on here, I opened a box of cards with, um, with Ian, uh, Pokemon cards. I had no idea what we were looking for. He did. 
but he he's looking for these cards because he likes them. Lugia, right. Lugia. I'm saying it wrong, probably. And you know, uh, you got this black. He's Gola. also not paying for the box, right? I'm paying for it. He's not right. paying for it. But the point is, I don't mind paying for it because he's not opening it saying, I want that card because I want to grade it and sell it. May I grade some of these? I might. You know what I mean? And hopefully we get good grades in the whole deal. Although my last Pokemon grading was just garbage. Um, but the, the point is that there was a time when people opened these cards because it was like, oh, look, I got the rookie. Oh, I got this great thing. And it wasn't just automatically like, all right, I'm going to get the rookie. I'm going to get to this and I'm going to flip it and I'm going to sell it for this. And my I'm going to get 2X. I'm going to get 3X. I'm gonna... The hobby was, and, and guys, I'm, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that either. I'm not saying the people who made money flipping or that people who go to shows and try to buy low and sell high, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I do that, you know, by the show with 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 Jaron Blackjade and Wolf. She's been doing this now for a while, but she also, you know, listen to the show, guys. If you want to, she's very reasonable and very, you know, she she has a reasonable expectation for margins and how you do business with people and you know what you can expect on your cards, and if something you bought has not worked out, hang on to it. And then sell it next time when that guy is doing better or, you know, or, or maybe later in the year or maybe next year. And, you know, you're able to do that if you have liquidity, you're able to do that if you've been doing this long enough that you have enough of a volume, the whole deal where it gets a little difficult is when you're doing it on sort of like a shoestring budget and you were doing great rolling everything into the gains, the gains, the gains. And then all of a sudden it starts to unwind as the market starts to unwind and you don't have that backstop. And every sale is what's funding you. Every card that you're selling is like, okay, I got to take a loss because if I don't, I, I got liquidity. And if there's enough people in the market doing it that way, what you see is a chart that moves up and then moves down just as fast. It's the same kind of stuff. You following me? Am I making any sense? I am. I am. And um... I, mean, I love Rob because Rob basically was telling you how he's doing this for love of the hobby, and that he's somebody who bought a card stop when he was 22 years old, and he didn't buy it because he was looking to flip you know, cards for three times what they were worth a week later. That just didn't exist. That never happened. But he also will tell you there have been cycles like this before, booms, busts, you know, increases. You know, he talks directly with fanatics, right? I mean, you know, he, he's trying to tell them what the right way to do it for sustainability and long-term growth. Um and I mean the, the 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 next takeaway is breaking. You know, I've talked about breaking with you a million times. And I think breaking brings a lot of eyeballs to the hobby. A lot. And I think you can make an argument that breaking is sort of like entertainment. And that, you know, look, I just bought Broadway tickets for my family. Wanna go see Beetlejuice. Well, you're gonna see Beetlejuice? Which was tickets that I was supposed to buy for my daughter's birthday pre COVID. And the show got canceled and you needed vaccines and masks and all kinds of, and you don't need any of that shit anymore. So finally, years later, we're going to go back. It's back. It was actually taken off Broadway. It's back on. We're going to go see the show and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I'll leave that show. I may hate it and feel like I didn't get my money for it, but I'm sure my daughter is going to like it. I'm sure, you know, you were entertained. You, you know, you were paying it and I'm not walking out of there with cards. I'm not walking out of there with anything that's got a value to it. I'm, I'm definitely not walking in saying, all right, I paid $325 for the ticket. I'm leaving with something that's worth $500. Like that's, it's a different thing, but you know, it's entertainment. So I think you make an argument breaking is entertaining. What, what Rob was saying is more akin to what we've said about breaking the whole time. And everybody who's approached us to be a breaker 
and try to, you know, pay us to break and all because the reason why we've kind of said no is because we don't want 85% of our audience to lose. And I love the comparison to gambling, right? And, and there is a segment in the hobby. I love everybody in the hobby. I'm not trying to call out anyone. I'm not trying to like shit on anybody. Right. But, but you notice ourselves included, we do a show picks of the NFL on Sundays or whatnot, right? We, we make picks against the spread for the NFL. And I do a damn good job. I was nine and four against the spread this past week, including Monday night's game. Um, but there's a lot of hobby people that are pivoting to that. And I think, you know, what you can read from that is breaking and gambling kind of go hand in hand, right? Because a lot of the element, a lot of the new blood that came into uh, the hobby in the last couple of years, the gamblers. I mean, the gamblers, they're gamblers. They're getting their fix. They're breaking and they're hoping that it's like pulling a slot machine or roulette wheel or whatever it is. And then, boom, I, I, I got a win. And the win, they don't even care who it is. It's like, I'm going to take it, sell it, put it right back in and make more. I continue to up my bankroll, right? That's a little different. That's a little, you know, crazy little difference of, of how the hobby has gone because it used to be, hey, I'm opening a box. I'm looking for Julio Rodriguez. Because I think in three years he's going to be awesome. I put that to the side, right? But now it's I'm I'm breaking a box. I'm hoping for red nineteen because if red nineteen comes, I can open up more boxes. Like you don't even care who the player. Oh, who's the big player that's going to get me the most money? It's not. You're not looking for the guy you're a fan of. You're looking for the guy who you can sell for the most money so that you can gamble more. Um, I don't know how long something like that lasts within the hobby because, I mean. There's only so many times you could just lose. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know? So yeah, 85% of people are losing. 15% of people, if that, are, are winning. Um, I don't know how sustainable of a business that is. So and that was an interesting part for me of, of the conversation with Rob. Let me wrap with this. So I'll paint you guys a visual of how I'm going through all this. Mm-hmm. When times are good, you start thinking far ahead, you know? I'm going to make all these money with cards and I'm going to buy my dream house or I'm going to make all my money with cards and I'm going to buy my dream car or go my dream vacation because you're able to see farther ahead. Imagine you're in a tunnel, right? And there's darkness. You can't see when that tunnel is going to end because it's dark. Mm-hmm. But if you have a flashlight, what you can see is just right ahead of you. And when you take that next step ahead, the next step illuminates. And when you take another step, the next step illuminates. I urge people in times like this, and I, I, I say to myself, is just take one more step forward. And if you take the right step forward, the next step will show up, right? Because what, what happens in times like these, it's um, disempowering to not know what the future holds. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of stress and anxiety that comes with that. And when you can't forecast the future, that adds more anxiety, especially if you have dependents, kids, a wife, all that stuff, or a husband. And... I urge people to realize that that next step will illuminate when you take one. So just what is that next step that you can take forward that will set you up? And don't try to think six, seven, eight, nine, ten steps. Have that in the back of your mind. But understand with one step forward, you'll be able to see more clearly. Uh, And that's what I'm reminding myself right now of as well. Well, I mean, listen, people who stay through this, yourself included, this is you talk about it all the time. This is your tuition. This is your education. This is a hobby college. Experience tax. And myself included, the experience tax, right? Because I was there like last year with card values. I'm like, I'm counting the money, but it's not money. You know what I mean? It's like, you don't count the money. Don't count. Unrealized the money. gains. 
don't count that money, right? Like it, you, until you take it off the table, you can't count that money, right? Don't count the money. And it's hard for us so to take times. money off the table, especially when you go through it. The when first it's going time, good, you're like, oh, you don't know the right time. You remember my buddy Brof? Mm-hmm. I remember in February, he didn't want to take money off the table because he's like, we're like, these are all going to zero, the NFTs, right? He's like, nah, I'm a collector. I'm going to hold. And it, when you go through it for the first time, you don't, it's hard to know, right? The, the question that like, or the, the, when you say the people that make it through it, the question that comes to my mind is how do you make it through it? And the way I think you make it through is by taking one step at a time. And it, it goes back to you, right? Like by the inch, life's a cinch. By the yard, life is hard. Good saying. Well, you but said I mean, it. listen, but people out there might not want to stay in this. People want outsized gains and they're going to, a lot of people will leave and go try to find it somewhere else. But I don't think it's a lack of desire. I think it's a lack of, um, like, how do I make it through this cage if I have to pay bills? You know, like, it's true. It's true. I mean, get a job. That's. I mean, uh, you know, you want this to be your job. Listen, I have a, I have a question for you. I read this fact the other, and I you. You, you, so hey Rob, you... I have a question for you in 44. Oh, parts. dude, I, I gave him a Dr. Bob A. I gave him a one question in 27 parts, 100%. But, but he was, it was like, a good, it was a good question. He answered I them all. I don't remember your, no, he remembered it. Yeah, he listen. My questions are more statements to see whether or not you agree or can add anything to. It's not really a question, but this one, this is a legitimate one. It's, it's, um, it's, it's, um, it's just like a did you know? So, did you know that 80% of men masturbate in the shower? Do you know what the other 20% do? No. I knew you were part of that 80%. And that's another one, Luca Nation. There we go. Thank you for spending some time with us on another episode of the Lucas Tigers and Bronze Oh My podcast. Um, do us a favor and like, subscribe. Now, nah, you know what? Don't just like and subscribe. Everybody does that. If you like us, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your enemies, tell everybody. And uh, we hope you got something from spending some time with us today, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.